Welcome to the Pinkleton Pull Aside podcast. On this podcast, let's step aside from our busy lives to have fun, fascinating, life-giving conversation with inspiring authors, pastors, sports personalities, and other influencers, leaders, and followers. Sit back, grab some coffee, or head down the road, and let's get the good and gold from today's guest. Here's Jeff Pinkleton, Executive Director of the Gathering of the Miami Valley, where their mission is to connect men to men and men to God. Hello, friends. Welcome again today to another edition of the Pinkleton Pull Aside Podcast, where we like to talk all things life, leadership, lessons therein. And we tend to like to occupy the space of sports, of books, of pastoral world, of comedy, really any place where we can learn and grow and learning and growth starts with me. And I'm really excited. Today, we have not one guest, but two guests. And uh, this is a thank you previous guest, Matthew Sleep, and his wife, Nancy. They made a really cool connection for me with Kurt Sodder, who's here all the way from the great city of Louisville, Kentucky, one of my favorite cities in the Midwest, Southeast, wherever we want to fit it. And uh, through our, what ended up being about a 90-minute Zoom call, he uh, when we decided to do a podcast, he said we should invite my friend, technically my campus pastor, so I guess he's got authority in my life. Did I say that, Greg? Do you have authority in my life? Yeah, I like the sound of that. <laughs> but we've got Greg Nerger, uh, who, who is a pastor at, at Fellowship where I attend on Sundays and the campus I go to because Greg's our campus pastor. So Kurt, Greg, welcome. It's great to be with you, brother. It's great to be yeah. here. Yep. Thanks for the invite. Excited to join you guys. So we're going to unpack then where that went a little bit later with you guys, because uh, when I talked to Kurt on that Friday afternoon, it, it felt very clear to me about gosh, probably 70, 75 minutes in that I needed to make a connection with you guys. But let's let's do like we usually do. And we'll start with Greg and then we'll get to Kurt. Give us your three-minute come to Jesus story. Yeah. So um, I was born and raised in a Christian home, you know, I had a great family, great parents. And so, you know, I was always in church. I never had this necessarily big come to Jesus moment. But I think for me, I had a lot of big, big moments where, where my faith became real in my life. And, uh, you know, so at a, at a young age, I, I always knew the Lord. I always was in church, but I think some big things that stood out to me were the first mission trip that I ever went on. This is the first time I saw someone of a different culture, speaking a different language, you know, really putting it all out there and, and worshiping the Lord. And, and, and that was huge for me to see. Um, I, I tore my ACL in high school and that was really the first time that I had to wrestle with why, why would God take away something that I love? I, I tore my ACL the, the first game of, of my junior football season. You know, why, why would God take away something that I loved? I had to wrestle with that. And, you know, that's going to be a similar theme, I think, that we talk about today. But, uh, you know, then, then a big turning point for me, I think, you know, Jeff, you mentioned just a couple of minutes ago how vulnerable we're, we're willing to get. So we'll get real real deep real quick here. But I actually did a, a God story, a short testimony video for a church about this. It's it's available if people wanted to hear more. But right as at the end of my my high school career and, and going into college, my high school girlfriend told me in the in the same breath that I'd gotten her pregnant and that she had just had an abortion, and that was really traumatic. So, you know, that relationship ended not not long after that, and I I knew you know, right then and there that uh, I never wanted to experience anything like that again. 
And so that was actually really a, a huge turning point for me to make my faith my own and to make it real. And I went on this journey to figure out, so I don't want that, but what does it mean to be a man of God and specifically a man of God in a relationship with a woman? And so that was, that was honestly huge. Um, set out on a journey to where that's, you know, honestly still, still growing in that today and every day and just want to lead a life that is, as a man of God, is, is honoring to him. You know, before we get to Kurt, I just got to say, I, I, I know that part of your story, Greg, and I'm always amazed. Uh, we had Rhett Walker on here, I think in season one, and he talked about getting his girlfriend pregnant. And I said, so when did you walk away from the church? He goes, I never did. He goes, they loved us really well. He goes, they couldn't have been more the church. And uh, I'm sure, Kurt, you've experienced this many times over as we head your direction here. But so many people walk away when, you know, you, you get injured at ACL, you, you know, your girlfriend tells you after the fact that she had an abortion. Boy, for probably, I don't know, I can't do the, I, who knows the math, but I'm going to guess 80, 90% of people, those are walk away moments and you leaned in. So, um, I don't know what it is. If you want to say it's a kind of a spiritual gift of faith or something, but I've had several of those types of moments where I could walk away and I've just made the decision in the moment, like, this is not what's going to be what takes me away mm -hmm. from the Lord, you know, yeah. and I uh, just have to make that decision right up front and then lean in. Yeah. I've heard you say that in the last several months, multiple times. So we'll get into that in a minute. So, so Kurt, give us your three minute testimony. Okay. So I can't believe it, Greg. I, I didn't know your full story for the first two and a half minutes. I'm almost, almost a ditto. I grew up in a Christian home. My mom and dad have been in great heroes of the faith to me. I grew up on a farm in central Illinois and they modeled faith. And, and then I tore my knee, <laughs> tore my ACL, you know, playing baseball guy. I, I got him out at home plate, but he <laughs> tore my knee up. <laughs> That's always the important question. Yeah, he was out. So, uh, but I was out of commission for a while and the God used that. And then uh, God used uh, a girl who broke up with me. I, I did. Fortunately, I didn't get her pregnant, but she broke up with me, but that was a transition big time of, am I going to lean on the Lord or not? And then eventually fast forward, you know, I mean, I trusted the Lord when I was in junior high and was baptized and gave my life to him. But it wasn't until later in, uh, later in high school and then in college. And then actually, I'm actually farming with my dad and my brother. And God really spoke to me in a real clear way. I'd ask him, Lord, if you want me to leave the farm and go into full-time ministry, would you make that really clear? And he did. He made it really clear. And it was uh, an answered prayer. And I left the farm in 1988. I'm showing my age here. I uh, went back to school and uh, uh, met my wife. And uh, we got married and have been in, actually in full-time ministry now for 30 plus years. So that's a real quick summary of my walk with the Lord. And, uh, and we'll talk more about pain and yeah. sorrow and all that, how God uses that. You know, it's amazing. So this is where I care way too much about pop culture. As you were sharing the end of that story, Kurt, I noticed over the weekend with football playoffs, there was an ad for some show coming out about a reality show about farmers finding their mate. And I'm like, I got to be honest, there's the guilty pleasure side of me that kind of wants to watch that show. I'm sure it's going to be terrible. And based on the network it was on, I won't give it away, but that made me think it's going to be terrible. But it made me want to say, I'm going to at least probably have to watch one episode of these farmers trying to find their mates. So maybe, maybe Kurt, if we went back in time, you, you would have been on that show if it would have caught up to 2023. So let's, let's talk yeah. more, Kurt, as you alluded to it. Let's talk a little bit about kind of you guys' various roles. You've done, Kurt, a tremendous amount of things in seemingly a short period of time. So let's get into roles you guys have both had, as I also alluded to Greg, about 
his various roles just at our church. So, Kurt, let's start with you and talk about leadership and what all you've done over many years. So, uh, after graduating at Moody Bible Institute in 1991, became a youth pastor in the Chicagoland area, was there for between three to four years, and uh, had a good experience, not a great experience, and then became a senior pastor in northern Indiana. Uh, it was a, a more difficult experience, a small town, small church, and then had the opportunity to come down to Southeast Christian Church in Louisville, Kentucky, a completely different world uh, in northern Indiana, it was, again, small town. I get to Louisville, and a, it was a big mega church. I was the, the men's pastor for a little over 10 years. And uh, I, I would drive around the campus. The campus was 100 acres. At the time, Southeast was running around 15,000, and I'm going to be the pastor. And it's like seven to eight times bigger than the town I grew up in. And I'm just like, Lord, you have got an incredible sense of humor because this is way over my head way over my head and uh, uh, was loved being the, the men's pastor there for 10 years. And then they asked me to be um, the campus pastor of our second campus and uh, had a, uh, did that for between four and five years and had a great, uh, great experience there. But it was like drinking from a fire hydrant. We planned and prepared and staffed for about 1500 and the first week about 3000 showed up. So it was like, whoa, again, Great experience. And then I jumped ship after 15 years of being with Southeast and said, I want to go full-time ministry with my wife. And so that's, uh, we had started Further Still Ministries about 15 plus years ago. And we were really excited about all the opportunities and what God had in front of us. So, Kurt, I don't know if we talked about this when, when we first connected, but so I've been to the Blank and Banker. It's Blank and Banker, is that right? Blank and Baker. Baker. Yes. Blank and Baker campus. It was so funny. I went on a Friday morning, my buddy Landon Wade, who I think you either met at one point. I need to introduce you guys, but he, uh, so he's doing a men's group there on Friday mornings, like four or five other guys. And I showed up this Friday morning because I was spent the night. And I said, he said, hey, you can stay in bed. I'm going to go to my group. I said, this is what I do. I'm going to get up and go with you. So we went. And when I pulled on that campus, two thoughts hit me. One, walking in, I thought, is this like an airport? This feels like the Orlando airport. It's huge. And you could just kind of hang out in the open area there. And where's my gate? Which one? A, 48, B, 60, I mean, whatever. It's huge. And then you go by the softball fields. And you're like, oh, wow, this is not like a church softball team. This is like they could have a league just in their church with all the softball fields. Yeah, actually, we do have leagues. Yeah. Greg needs to go <laughs> visit. He can wild. get some vision casting just hanging out at that campus. Yeah, so yeah Greg, it's give, pretty cool. It, it's super cool. Greg, give us a little bit of your leadership track background, various roles you've had. Yeah, yeah. So I'm from uh, Phoenix, Arizona originally, and so... I was a youth pastor out there uh, in youth ministry for about three years. I actually was the, the youth pastor at the, the church that I grew up in. So I attended youth group and that youth ministry is middle school and high school. And then I became the youth pastor uh, after college. So that was pretty exciting that uh, I got to, to minister in my home church. And um, my, my wife, Rachel, she was from Springfield, Ohio, and she always wanted to move back to Ohio. And I had no interest in ever leaving Phoenix. And, uh, you know, God was working on her heart and she was ready to stay in Phoenix long term and settle down there. So we were looking to, to buy our first house and 
at the same time, God was working on my heart saying that we needed to leave and that we needed to move to Ohio. He had a role for me there and a ministry work for, for me there. And, and we just really felt this calling to Ohio. So we kind of switched roles there. And of course she was thrilled when, when I told her. So we started, you know, looking and, and found a, a position at a Fellowship Church where, where I'm currently at, where Jeff and I attend. And so I was hired as the, the youth and children's pastor at Fellowship in 2016. And so I was the youth and children's pastor for, for several years. And then uh, just uh, last year, so it's been about a year and a half, I took over as the campus pastor at our, at our second campus here at Fellowship. Kurt, I'm sure you can smile. And, and when you hear Greg say that, you probably got a little info from him when you guys talked before. But for the Lord to have someone go from Phoenix to Springfield, Ohio, it has to be a move of God. You're not doing I've been to Phoenix. I've been there twice. I love it. You, you ain't going if God ain't telling you to move. No kidding. Yeah, yeah. Have, you been, have you been out there, Kurt, to Phoenix? Yeah, I have been to Phoenix. Yeah. yeah so you great. get it. You don't, you don't need any more explanation there. So No, it's, it's uh, fantastic and awesome and beautiful and Hey, let's go to Ohio, though, Greg. <laughs> That's right, Kurt. You're, are you grateful God hasn't called you to do that yet, or, or whatever? We would take we would take you to heartbeat. I'm sure Greg's amen in that as well. So, so hey, before we jump into the meat, let me let me do my get my kind of little goofy sideways thing I like to do out out of here. But these are called the rapid five, just five quick hitting. First thing that comes to your mind, jump hit you quick, and, and we'll move on. So we'll start we'll start with Kurt, and then we'll go to Greg on each one of these. Kurt, what is your favorite childhood snack or cereal? Okay, it's my grandma Souter, Lena Souter's oatmeal chocolate chip cookies, oh. and uh, better than anything on the planet. And uh, so you, you can't buy it; you got to have grandma make it. <laughs> you know what's so great about what you just said there? You said the key thing: oatmeal chocolate. You didn't say oatmeal raisin. You know, no, I, it can't be raisin. I had somebody before I don't know who it was said oatmeal raisin cookies was their favorite. I'm like, are you? Have you not had oatmeal chocolate chip? Come on, it's so obvious. <laughs> Good answer, Kurt. You win. You get the prize. I don't think Greg's going to beat it. Greg, what do you say to that? Yeah, definitely won't beat it. Although my my grandma did make uh, no-bake cookies, and those are fantastic. But uh, probably my my favorite and go-to is uh, peanut butter crunch cereal. Wow. Uh, one, of the, one of the best out there, I think. There you go. <laughs> All right. Kurt's signing up, and he's making an Amazon order right now, as you said that, Greg. So. Kurt, what is your favorite book you most want to or have gifted to other people? So just recently, I just started a new, a new trend. So uh, Habits of the Household by oh. Justin Early. He was on it here. Was, he was on ha, here. Have you had him on? Yeah. You had him on? Mm-hmm. Oh, man. He's, uh, that's, that was a fantastic read and uh, started giving that out. Uh, an old, uh, an older one is the life you've always wanted and soul keeping both by John Ortberg, yep. both great reads. Yep. I got to hear him at a conference in uh, September with, uh, uh, Greg's boss, Jeremy and, and Ray, another one of our pastors and, and my oldest son, Jaden. So he was, wow. You know, it's crazy. I I'd seen him years ago. I think maybe tied to a promise keepers event or something like that, but, uh, John Ortberg still has it. And a neat little side note about him. They had a little prayer time for people at the conference, uh, at the end, and I think it was just because he was standing by this one guy, but this guy started praying for John Ortberg. And I could tell, I was close enough, I could tell it wasn't like it was goofy or like, hey, who's this random dude praying for me? Like, Ortberg was totally taking it in. He really humbled me and blew me away. So I'm not going to let anybody out mm-hmm. there know that you were probably supposed to say one at a time was supposed to be your answer. One at a time or not a fan or, okay, we, we'll make sure Kyle Eidelman doesn't Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, Kyle Eidelman. Sorry, Kyle. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah. Greg, what about you? Yeah, so I had to think about this a little bit, but uh, the one that really I have gifted to the most is, is called Communication, Sex, and Money. And it's by uh, Edwin Lewis Cole. It's a, a, an older book, but uh, it's a good one. And it really hit me just at the perfect time. I think this was actually the first book that I ever read that was really geared towards men. And I started reading this my freshman year of college. And this was right when I'm kind of on the onset of me trying to figure out what does it mean to be a man of God? And, uh, you know, so this is written to men on, on the three areas where there could be most conflict in, in any relationship, communication, sex, and money. And it was fantastic. And not, not only did it tell you how to communicate well or how to budget your money well, but, but what it did was it gave me a theology for mm-hmm. each of these things, you know, a theology for communication and a theology for sex and, and for money and, wow. and how all three of those areas sh- should honor God in your relationships. Wow. I just wrote it down. I just did a post on Facebook asking about books for the year. I think I've heard you talk about that maybe, but I, I made note of that. So thanks for that tip, Greg. I, Greg, we're going to stay with you. We're going we're gonna to make it easy for you and then go back to Kurt on this one. So it's the old, and, and it's always fun to ask this question and hear answers. So you're, you're out vacationing, you, you got your crew, and you are planning on stopping for lunch and you know where you want to stop. And like five minutes before that, we're going to say Reagan has to go to the bathroom and say, Dad, we, we got to stop. And you're like, I'm not stopping five minutes later. So you're stopping now. And the three places that pop up, and you know this well because you're a Phoenix guy, you got McDonald's, yep. you got Chick-fil-A, and you got In-N-Out Burger. And I think I know your answer, but where are you going? Yeah, so if it's up to my kids, it's McDonald's, but I will never pick that. Uh, I love Chick-fil-A, worked there in high school, so that's definitely a go-to. But the obvious answer is In-N-Out Burger. And uh, I- I'm a real big tradition guy, love traditions. And so anytime I fly to Phoenix to, to visit my family, the very first place we're going right after I get off the airplane is in and out for some food. Yep. I, yeah, I won't comment much. I think we'll just keep it. That's the right answer. So, uh, sorry to my Chick-fil-A friends who work there, but, uh, Kurt, what about you? What, what, I mean, you, you got Chick-fil-A all around you. One of the most successful ones in the nation, Bruce Smith yes. runs it. So what do you say to that yep. question? Yep. Well, Bruce is my good buddy. So, um, yeah, it's just Chick-fil-A. My kids all have worked at Chick-fil-A and it's, yeah. So there it is, Chick-fil-A. Have they worked at that one? Oh, the Bruce is the main one there off of that big shopping area off Gene Snyder? Yeah, I bet. they've worked at all three of his. Oh, yes. wow. Okay. okay. Yeah, he's one of the rare guys. So I know the great story about how Dan Cathy, I think it was, and several guys, I think like eight people or ten people, some crazy number, flew to Louisville a number of years ago. Bob Russell told me this story and met with Bob, Kyle, and um, – Gosh, why am I blanking? Who was the guy in between those two? Dave Stone. And met with Dave Stone Dave to talk Stone. about succession planning. I'm like, what? Chick-fil-A sends people to Louisville, Kentucky to talk to Southeast Christian Church about transition planning? Get out of here. And I actually, and I had uh, Truett Cathy come and speak at our men's, uh, a big men's power lunch, uh, you know, before he passed away a number of years ago. Wow. It's fantastic. We had Chick-fil-A in the sanctuary. We were had it was a big controversy. Mm. Can we really, I got it. Guys, this is, this is heavenly food. Yeah. We're bringing it in to the sanctuary of God. <laughs> now, if you're doing that, what has Ronnie Cordray done to make be significant? I mean, he didn't do anything like that. What's Ronnie doing to try to trump what you're doing? Oh, he brought in Jeff Foxworthy. <laughs> oh, 
Now, you know what's funny? Give me, since Ronnie's such a big, Ronnie's a guy from Springfield back in the day and does your role that you did there now at Southeast. Yes. And he's really into yeah. Krispy Kreme donuts. So maybe if, if Jeff Foxworthy and Ronnie Cordray went to Krispy Kreme, that'd be a video to shoot about 20 minutes. I think that video would go viral. <laughs> Probably would. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Mr. Beast. Ronnie and uh, Jeff Foxworthy are passing you by. So, um, <laughs> We'll stay with you on this one, Kurt. What's the movie that that every time you'd stumble upon it, it's pulling you in and it's it's got you. You're staying with it. Okay, so I'm right next to Churchill Downs, so it's Secretariat, man. Mm. <laughs> yeah, Secretariat's always a good movie. I've got a whole bunch I could name, but we'll, we'll just leave it at that. Okay, it was a fantastic movie. I, I love how you feel loyal to, to horses, but you don't feel loyal to Kyle Adelman. <laughs> you know, I'm trying to get him on the podcast. You may not be. I said me. okay. I should have said. I should have said Kyle. Uh, Kyle Eidelman. The book, most book I give out is not a fan, and uh, but Kyle is. Yeah, yeah, he's a good guy and a good friend. Yeah, yeah. You know, I'm trying to get him on the podcast. So you're probably not helping my cause just for what that's worth. So. Uh, <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll. Yeah, you need to have him on. He's yeah, fantastic. And, and he's awesome. Kyle Greg, is awesome. Greg, how about you? What what movie is it for you? Yeah, I could give a few as well. Love Secretariat, um, but uh, mine's a, mine's a little bit darker than Secretariat, but it's such a good movie. Uh, so it's it's No Country for Old Men, and that's just one of my one of my all time favorites. Okay, so Kurt, I know Greg fairly well. I've never even thought about this till you just answered the question. But you got to say Jerry Maguire. Come on, when they got the Cardinals in there, how do you not? <laughs> oh say- man, love it. Yeah. Listen, if it's on TV, I'm watching it yeah. for sure. It's, it's, it's on the list. So yeah. he's a hardcore yeah. Arizona Cardinal fan, Kurt. And every time something bad seems to happen to him is when my son Jaden really all of a sudden wants to start talking a lot of trash with Greg. So oh, yeah. uh, Jerry McGuire had to get the nod, I thought. I'm a little disappointed by that, Greg. <laughs> so what about... It's on the list, like I said. Okay. Greg, who's your first celebrity crush? Yeah. Uh, for me, it... Uh... I don't know. Maybe this is a surprise or not. I'm a huge, this isn't my crush. So let me explain, but I'm a huge Justin Bieber fan. So it's, it's Selena Gomez. Mm. Selena Gomez was the crush. She, they, when they had her and Justin had their thing together, I was all about it. So can I just say this about Selena Gomez? My wife and I've had this conversation numerous times and we don't even talk about celebrities much at all at our house, me and her, but what is up with her voice? Why is she so like? Did she get some range there? What, what do you think that's about? You know, I mean, since you had a thing for her, what, what's the deal with her voice? I don't know. I mean, what do you think? I, I like it. I, I just wish it would elevate or lower. Like, give me some energy or excitement or something. Like, we watch that show with her and Steve Martin and uh, Martin Short, something something in the, in the apartment or whatever that uh, murder mystery thing was on. I forgot it, Hulu or something. But it's like, can she change the range of her voice? Hey, Kurt. By the way, I'm not getting Selena Gomez on this podcast either. I'm now getting canceled by <laughs> okay, okay. Kyle, <laughs> Selena. I need new guests. So, what about you, Kurt? What's your answer to that question? Okay, so uh, real quick. Uh, Olivia Newton-John and Fair Fawcett. So I'm just showing my serious age here. Okay, Kurt. So got to ask the obvious question since we're close in age. Does that mean you had the Fair Fawcett poster? No, I did not. What? That would have not. That would have not been allowed in the house. You know no, the one I'm talking just, about, right? That you know was the, too sensual. <laughs> you know the poster I'm talking about, though, right? Oh, I know exactly. Where she's she's kind of like tilted about. this way. She's just looking yeah. at the camera, got this smile. Yeah. There was yes. a, no, that, sensual I, about but that. I didn't have it. What was sensual about that though? She wasn't. Was she even wearing a bathing suit? I don't think she was. Yeah, she was in a bathing suit. Oh, okay. Yeah, Char- <laughs> Charlie's Angels. 
Everybody, you know what's funny? I always wonder with Lee Majors, like other than his Wikipedia page, do people say six million dollar man, or do they just say, "Nah, he was married to Farrah Fawcett for a while." Uh, yeah, he was married to Farrah Fawcett yeah, for a while. I think, see, Greg yes. is like way too young. He he ain't relating to this at all. But Farrah Fawcett Greg, was. Greg, he doesn't yeah. even know who we're talking about. <laughs> oh, I, I know who you're talking about, but I, I get it. My Can you tell us one thing about her, sure. Greg? Oh, I've, I've seen the pictures. I've seen the posts that you're talking about. I know what you're talking about. So you know about... Uh, <laughs> I know who she is. I know the hair and everything. Uh, well, okay. Hair says a lot. What about... Uh, so did you... Have you ever stumbled across a clip of her on uh, um, Charlie's Angels? Mm, no, I don't, I don't think so. Okay. So see, Kurt, don't, didn't you feel like, why did they go there and mess with Charlie's Angels? Jacqueline Smith, Kate oh. Smith, come on. Or, yeah. Kate yeah, it's not, even, it's not even close. Yeah. Even Cheryl Ladd, like when they did that, that was kind of when they jumped the shark. Like, I like Cheryl Ladd, but now you got to keep the original three together. And John Forsythe, <laughs> I mean, come on. Don't, don't, don't jack around with that at all. So, all right. Well, it's time for a super hard pivot, which this is probably one of the tougher pivots I've ever taken. So, we're going to jump into some deep stuff. So, you guys come together again through that phone call, Kurt, that you and I had, or Zoom call, thanks to the Sleeths. And I'd kind of forgotten about it, but somehow I knew about it. You went through a very difficult story. Greg's gone through something more recent. So let me just toss that out there. I don't know where, which one of you wants to go first, how you want to land on it. You guys have obviously conversed over this, but you both have, have gone through the difficult time of, of losing a wife. So who wants to pick that up? Yeah, I can start. Yeah. So um, Rachel and I were married in 2013 and she just passed this last July. And, um, she had a, a lot of health issues just kind of over the years, but uh, this most recent one, she uh, had some complications from, from surgery and, and wasn't able to recover. So obviously, um, you know, my world just turned upside down immediately and, and trying to figure out what, uh, what life looks like after that. And so, you know, I've, I've had community of people around me that have been absolutely fantastic. God is has moved in some some really huge ways. I think um, the thing that that drew me to Kurt most, you know, and in our conversation most recently is, you know, everyone that I've talked to has been great and, and they've been encouraging and they've helped walk alongside me. But to talk to somebody that's gone through what I've gone through, not only is that huge, but but Kurt is someone that's gone through what I've gone through and is a, a few steps ahead of me, you know, a few a few years ahead of me, and so. I've been was able to just describe to him how I'm feeling and what I'm thinking, and for him to to say things like that's that's normal, you know, you're you're not crazy. It was was just a, a huge huge blessing for me. So I think that was um, really a, a, a huge thing that that drew me to him. That was really encouraging to know, you know, what someone else who's experienced this has, has felt similarly, and and just that encouragement that you know these. these these tricks that your mind are playing or the things that the enemy's throwing at you, these lies, um, you know, or even good things that I'm thinking about or feeling that just maybe feel too soon or is it too much or, or whatever it might be to hear him say, man, that is completely normal. And maybe even from God like that. Um, I don't know. He just, he, he, he said some things to me that I, that I just so desperately needed to hear. That's got to be way beyond count. Like, as you're saying that, Greg, I'm just thinking about that's got to be way beyond counseling. Like a counselor, unless they've gone through it, they can only say so much where I'm sure Kurt just is validated 
right there out of the gate. Can you hit on a little bit, maybe make this a 30, 60 second kind of response? As much as you've had so many, so many difficult times, days, moments, talk about the goodness of God in that funeral. Because obviously I was there, Your Rachel's funeral back in July was unbelievable. So maybe hit on the goodness of God in the funeral. Yeah. So uh, I will mention that. And then I'll talk about something with counseling and, and a conversation with Kurt too. That was awesome. But so man, Rachel's, we had, we had a viewing and a, a funeral for Rachel. They were just, just days apart and the community came out for Rachel's viewing. And I mean, we were there for, for hours. The line was wrapped around the building and just to see the, the love and support from people was, was absolutely amazing. Um, sitting in her funeral, it was one of those things where, you know, I just so, I was so hurt and so broken, but at the same time, I could not help but just feeling this joy from the Lord, knowing the, the impact that, that Rachel's life made on so many people and the fact that the, the gospel was shared in her funeral. And, you know, I, we've just heard and seen so many stories of the impact that her life has made. And, and yeah, the funeral was so hard, but it was also just so, so encouraging to, to sit through that. And, and yeah, just to, to, to feel people's love and, and frankly, to have really a, a legacy of hers that, that I now get to, to carry on. I think there are about two or three moments. I just remember to kind of tapping Carol on the arm and say, point at you because we had a good angle where you were because we were on the far left kind of up front and just could see that joy that you had amidst, obviously at the same time, feeling very hurt and broken. So Kurt picked that up. Obviously your story has some similar threads. Yeah, so nine years ago, uh, I lost my wife uh, with a battle of non-smokers lung cancer. So I had just left Southeast Christian Church after 15 years of being on staff. And we, Kristen and I, were going to do ministry together. And we had already been doing a lot of different things together. And, and so it was just an exciting time. And as soon as I resigned, she was uh, diagnosed with stage four non-smokers lung cancer and 13 months later she passed away and so you know it was a yeah what greg said is so pretty accurate for me too a lot of tears a lot of grief a lot c.s lewis in his book a grief observed talks about when there's just a little love there'll just be a little bit of grief but lots of love there will be lots of grief and so there's a lots of grief. Kristen and I had a wonderful, wonderful 22 year marriage. And, but I went, after I grieved and, and it took quite a while, I, I really said, Lord, if, if you want to use me. And so when you and I talked, Jeff, and you started talking about Greg, I said, man, I need to talk to Greg because that's one of the things that I continue to do is, is talk with guys who have just lost their wife. And it's one of the ministries that, you know, God has, has for me. And, and I was, it was an honor to talk with Greg and ask him questions. And, and I, I knew the questions that I would ask would also make him cry, mm -hmm. but I did that on purpose because part of the, uh, well, that didn't, well, ha that, that didn't happen. <laughs> there's no crying on the phone here. Oh man, you know, I, there's a, there's, it's, it goes like this: talk, tears, and over time, that's how God heals our broken hearts. And so, I purposefully will ask guys 
the questions that I know will probably prompt tears, but that's, that's part of the healing process. And it's a beautiful process of how God uses our tears to overcome and, and work through our grief. You know, it's interesting about that. I, um, I've really grown to appreciate guys like Terry Wardle and Kurt Thompson and John Lynch and people who I think really embrace pain and hurt and grief and shame. And I, today, John Lynch posted something I thought was kind of interesting. It kind of fits here a little bit. It says, on my best day, I'm convinced it's what God does with the pain and bad endings that ultimately proves his love and goodness to us. How does that resonate? That kind of quote. To, maybe we'll start with you, Greg. How does that? Is it? Is it like shut up, John Lynch? I don't want to hear that. Or is it like, yeah, I, I connect with that. No, absolutely. I mean, I just I have seen God's goodness through this so much, and, and His mercies have been have been so good to me. I think um, you know, I think there's so many things that are are so uh, just validating through this this whole experience. And, and I was going to mention this earlier, but it, but I think it fits too. Is you know and in one of my first counseling sessions, my I think it's probably a month after after Rach had passed, I went and, and my my counselor asked asked me this question, and he said, you know, in in five years from now I'll, from from now, what do you hope brings you joy? And uh, I felt okay with one answer, and I felt a little bit guilty about the other one. Uh, thinking about it, only a month after after Rach had passed, and and the first one was that I hope that I would still be a pastor, I'd still be in ministry, and um, I I've, I've wanted a, a long successful career in ministry, and, and I felt good about that one. And some of those things were already in the works about what it might look like to, to come back, but the other one was that I that I wanted to get remarried and, and be in a relationship again, and I wanted to to be loved and to, to love someone well. And, uh, I definitely felt guilty about that one. So close to, to Rach's passing, but my, my counselor said these words and he told me that those were two desires that were straight from God himself, Mm -hmm. a a call to love and to serve others through pastoring and a, a call to be in relationship. I mean, those are direct desires from the Lord. And he said, you know, that he believes that, that God would honor both of those things. And, and when we talked a little bit more about, you know, dating again and being remarried and that desire that I had, he said, you know, it's not good for man to be alone. And so those words, exactly. And it was right what I needed to hear in the moment. And so, you know, months later, just a few weeks ago, Kurt and I are are talking on the phone and, and him and I are talking through his experience with, with dating again and being remarried and, and, uh, you know, I, I mentioned that that's definitely something that's been on my mind recently and I'm praying through and he just kind of, kind of laughed as I said that. And what I expected him to say was some type of warning or caution to slow down or some type of, of question, like, have you thought about these things or have you processed through this, that, or the other thing? And that's not what happened at all. It's not what he said. He kind of laughed and he said, you know, it's not good for man to be alone repeated those exact words. Mm. And that was just so validating to hear. And I could just see God working in the midst of my pain and, and just his faithfulness and goodness just continuing to to flow out and in, in, in my life. Wow. There's so there's so much good in that. Kurt, well, how do you feel about that quote? And then and Kurt, maybe too, if you could expand on obviously there's Nancy now in your life. You you've remarried and just from what I could tell, it seems and looks and it sounds like, you know, great stuff there. And maybe how would you, 
we're on here with Greg, but also to an audience. How would you speak to, you know, that happening and that moving on and even echoing that for Greg's sake or for anybody that's going to listen to this sake, what Greg's counselor said about that being from God? I mean, I think it's so, so accurate and so true. And the Christian faith is the only religion that where suffering and harsh times and difficult times and loss make sense. And because God uses suffering and grief and sorrow, he uses it in, in incredible, mysterious ways. And But one of the things, I mean, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians, the God of all comfort, he gives us comfort so that we may then be a comfort to those. And so when I'm sitting there and we're talking with Greg, who I've never met before, and we're talking like like we've known each other almost like for years, and but I know what his pain is and sorrow and grief, and yet I know the longings of his heart. Mm. And so in one sense, it was such a beautiful picture of the church and the body of Christ and how God uses what was a tragedy for me nine years ago and how God is using that to be a blessing. And I told Greg, I said, Greg, uh, God will, God will use you either next month or next year or five years with somebody who has lost their wife. And that's the, one of the beautiful things that Nancy and I get to do because Nancy lost her husband when she was in her forties, suddenly of a, of a heart attack. She, he just dropped dead and Nancy and I minister to widows together and just folks in our church that I, I get to do widowers and we kind of do together widows. And it's just a, a, a beautiful way of how God uses and redeems our hurt and our sorrow and our pain. Wow. So it's funny the things I feel like I have to be careful to say, just being sensitive to Greg as a friend and as a brother and guys who get to tag team in ministry some or whatever. But, you know, I think he gets and understands my heart. There's just so much beauty. I, I think I said to Greg recently, I know I said this to my wife. I said, you know, I got to be honest. There's times I look at Greg and I said, I'm kind of jealous. Like, I don't want to go through what he's gone through, but the ways I know he's seeing an experience in Jesus that I'm not getting to, you know, again, would I choose this for myself? No, would I choose it for Greg? No, would I choose it for anybody? No. But the intimacy, the, the, you know, you guys have probably heard the expression. I love the expression about we want to remove the thin veil between us and God. I feel like with what you guys have gone through, it's, there's a sense the veil's gone. I don't know if that's fair or accurate, but kind of heading towards a close. We, we probably need to move on. But um, let me ask you this. And, and, and Kurt, you could probably speak to this a little stronger. Greg, you can kind of go where, where I'm going to ask here as well. Or if you just want to speak to maybe even hear more encouragement uh, or what you've learned even from conversation with Kurt. But Kurt, for people listening, what would you say to them as far as handling people? You've given a lot of great stuff talking about the grief observed and just questions you even ask Greg. And I know it's, it, everybody I know seems to feel like it's awkward. Like my daughter, Leah, I remember her asking, it's like, what do I say to Greg? I, like, I don't know what to say that first time I see him. And we just said, just be, don't, I mean, he just wants to know you care about him and you're with him and you're praying and whatever. So what, what's some very practical, maybe beyond the obvious stuff to tell people who experience people like you guys and what you've gone through, how can we, be a resource and encouragement in those tough times. I think one of the great things that I wanted to do with Greg is I want him to talk about Rachel. I do that with guys all the time. Mm -hmm. I'll say, tell me about your wife. Tell me about what you miss most about her. And the, the beauty of, because I remember talking with a friend of an, another friend who lost their spouse. And I said, do you ever bring up Debbie? 
And she goes, no, because I know that he's always going to, he's going to start crying. And I go, no, bring up the loved one's name and talk about the memories and talk about the, the fun times and talk about the life of that person because that's just, it's so needed. And even one day when Greg remarries, he's not going to get tired of someone coming up and saying, I remember about Rachel when we did this trip or we did this experience. He is never going to not want to have someone bring up Rachel. I was at a funeral just this last weekend, a very hard situation. It was a farming accident. He has been a close family friend for over 30 years in our family. And it was just a very horrible accident. And I went and people came to me. It was the, he was buried the same day, nine years ago that my wife was buried. And I'm sitting in the same church in the same place nine years ago. And people would come and say, oh, I remember Kristen. We buried Kristen. And I'm like, yeah. And I miss Kristen, but I'm madly in love with Nancy. And if you don't mind, if I I'd just share a, a story real quick yes, that was really, please. really helpful for me. I'm still missing Kristen, but I'm falling in love with Nancy. And I met with Bob Russell. And Bob said, "I want Kurt, I want you to remember the time that you brought Olivia, your firstborn, home from the hospital. And he said, think about that day. I said, yeah, I remember that day. I was in Hinsdale Hospital, came home with Kristen, and and we brought Olivia home. And he said, you thought in your mind there's no other kid on the planet that you love as much as this little girl. He said, but two years later, Drew showed up. Mm. And two years later, Ivy showed up. And two years later, Ellie showed up. He said, Kurt, God is giving you the capacity. You'll never stop loving Kristen or missing her. But God is giving you the capacity, just like your children, to love another just like you loved Kristen. I'm like, oh, that's why you're Bob Russell. (laughs) You know what's funny? I was going to say, I know Bob, and I don't know him as well nearly as you do. But I can totally picture everything you said and Bob saying that. Oh man, that's be- Greg. Did, I'm sure that maybe you've heard that before. Kurt already shared that with you. If not, how do you respond to that? Yeah, no. Kurt told me that, and that was the first time I, I had heard it. Uh, we, we talked just a couple weeks ago, and and I have held on to that. Kurt, that was was gold right there, and it's what I needed to hear, and really just helped me wrap my mind around what what this might look like moving forward. And and so I, I love that. Just that our the capacity of our heart to love is growing. And so I, th- I think that's huge and gave me a really good understanding um, of what, what God was, was is doing. But, uh, you know, just to kind of reiterate too what, what Kurt was saying, I-, I love when people talk about Rachel. I love when they share stories about her, post about her on social media. You know, four of her high school friends got together for lunch, yes, literally just yesterday. And uh, they sent me pictures of them ha- hanging out and, uh, you know, the food that they ate because they went to one of Rachel's favorite restaurants. And, and I love seeing that. Um, I, I think, uh, you know, maybe an encouragement for people out there, or just some advice to, to help walk alongside me or, or anyone else going going through grief or a similar, a similar thing. You know, people always like to ask the question, how are you doing? And I just don't really know how to answer that question. You know, it depends literally second to second. If I've got Starbucks in my hand, you know, I'm, I'm doing fine, you know, but I always miss Rachel, you know, and, and so how I'm doing just varies so much. And, and so I don't really know what to say. And so I think a, a better question, which 
goes along, Kurt, with what you said about, about talking about Rachel is, is not only talking about Rachel and, and, and sharing stories about her and, and memories with me, and I love that, but also asking the question, what is life like without Rachel? You know, what is life like now without Rachel? And I want them to say Rachel's name. I don't want them to be awkward about it because then it gives me the opportunity to talk about her. And it, and it gives me an opportunity to share too, like truly what is life like without her? And, and it's different literally every day, every week. You know, last week, life without Rachel looked like me figuring out how to take my kids to a, a seven-year-old's birthday party by myself for the first time, you know? Uh, the dad doesn't go to the store and buy birthday presents for a seven-year-old, right? The mom does that. I've literally never done that in my entire life. And so I had to figure out, how do I go to the store and pick something out for a seven-year-old and then take my kids to the seven-year-old birthday party and have fun with them and not be awkward with a bunch of moms? You know, that, that's what life was like last week. And so that's just an example of, of, you know, a challenge that I could share, a way that I could talk about what life is like now and then have people praying for me, you know, because week to week, there's new challenges, new things I've got to figure out, things that I've never done before by myself. And, uh, you know, it really gives some, some pretty specific prayer points for me too, moving, moving forward. You know, one of my three favorite things to pray when I pray for someone who's going through something is God's timing is perfect. His will is perfect. And he doesn't make mistakes. And this conversation only speaks life to that. God's goodness is all over this conversation. I, it was so powerful for me to look at you guys at various points throughout this time on Zoom here. I'm glad we're on Zoom so I could see your faces. Joy, Greg, for you, some sadness a couple times. Kurt, when you answered and talked about even Nancy or just uh, even talking about Kristen and, and people coming up to you and talking about it at that funeral you went through this past week, nine years later. Man, it, this is just a maturing in, in men's faith that couldn't happen another way. And yet you guys are mature men of God either way. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, I hope this means something and has impact on people. Um, I trust that God will get this in the hands, uh, in the ears he needs to get it to. And uh, uh, look forward to seeing where God takes the, the relationship you two have as well. Thanks, Greg. Thanks, Kurt, for being on here. Thank you, Jeff. Thanks, Jeff, so much, Kurt. Thank you. It's an honor. Thank you for joining us on the Pinkleton Pull Aside podcast. You can reach Jeff at GatheringMiamiValley.org or find us on Facebook at The Gathering of the Miami Valley. Join us again next week for another honest and rich conversation. The Rise FM Podcast Network.